Good evening. I am oh so excited to be here with you this evening. I've got a special night planned. I'm going to do a little bit of story time. I have several of my clients, several of the people on social media that have been just dying um, to get my story, I guess, I don't know, all at one time, kind of what really makes me tick, what really started this Rage to Resilience movement, um, what really took me to a place where I wanted to not only become a social worker, but nonstop help every single solitary person that I could in this world, even if it was one at a time. Um, Some people might call it codependent because I love helping people. There is nothing better in this world than to use some of the things that you have been through in this life and truly take that to not only encourage someone else, but to prevent someone else from going down a road that you've gone down. So tonight, I am going to really get down to the depth of why I do what I do. First of all, I am Coach Thompson. I am the CEO and founder of Proctor & Thompson Enterprises, LLC, where I not only help men and women with emotional um, backgrounds and emotional trauma, but I help them really, really get away from where the emotional trauma has led them. I help them let go of it, lose the baggage. I don't want them to continue sabotaging relationships because they have that baggage. So my goal and the, and the passion that I have is to help them not only let go, but using the Rage to Resilience blueprint, I can really teach them, show them, and guide them on how to use all of those circumstances, the hurt, the pain, the drama, the torment, the things that they've been through, to use them as stepping stones, right? Take them... Um, and use them to kind of, you know, gear yourself or push yourself to, you know, walking in your purpose, getting yourself to where you want to be and where you are. I don't care if it's business. I don't care if it's the love of your life. I don't care if it's the next card that you want to own. I want to be able to show you step by step on how to not hold on to those things that you feel like have taken you, you know, to a place of no return, but really, really allowing you to take those things and show yourself, validate yourself, love yourself, um, gravitate to being loyal to yourself. Not necessarily that you have to just be loyal to yourself, but you know, you have people, places and things in your life that are taking away from you. And a lot of that has to do with, you know, places that we've been, things that we've seen, things that have hurt us. Um, It's created who we are. It's built the person and the character and the morals and values that we have. You know, it's kind of molded us into who we are. 
And a lot of those times, it's not always the positive aspects of our lives that have done that, right? Um, Rage to Resilience is also a nonprofit that I have. Um, My nonprofit is geared towards um, kids 9 to 17 years old and their families, any at-risk families for that matter, um, that are kids of incarcerated parents. Tonight you'll be able to hear my story and understand why my passion is where it is and where it stems from. Again, I'm excited for you guys to be here and listen to me and kind of talk to me. And I am, you know, overjoyed when you guys send me messages and, you know, kind of ask me questions. Um, I am always, you are always welcome to work with me one-on-one. I am going to launch one of my group programs here very, very soon. Um, but again, I, whatever you guys need, I'm always here to give. Um, anyway, we're going to take just a short break and I am going to definitely get into it. I'll be right back. Okay, guys, I am back and I'm going to go ahead and get right into it. So talking about the birth of Rage to Resilience, um, it starts when I was 13 years old. Um, Of course, I was an athlete, right? Cheerleader. Um, I played basketball. I ran track. I was on the flag corps. Um, of course, had to be in the marching band, got to be in the marching band. Um, and although I had a childhood that um, was not the best, um, if anybody knows about the ACES um, focus that a lot of states have right now, which are adverse childhood experiences, um, you have a score anyway from anywhere, excuse me, from zero to 10 and my score is a 10. Um, I was molested as a child. Um, I was in the home with, you know, alcoholics. My mother was a heroin addict. Um, My father, you know, was not in the home. Um, He was there in the beginning, but, um, you know, just lots of trauma um, in my background, Um, abuse in my background. Um, And so I remember, you know, getting ready to try out for cheerleader. Um, I had spoken to my mom. She was in prison at the time. Um, And I had spoken to her and she was excited. And, you know, of course, she was sober at this time. But she wanted me to try out for cheerleader. She was, you know, really trying to push me in a direction where um, I would use not only my talents, but... I'm pretty sure she didn't want me to follow in her footsteps, Um, but definitely was excited. I went ahead and I tried out, and this particular day, uh, May 3rd, we had, um, you know, the final tryouts. I had made it all the way up until this point, Um, and I was supposed to go and see her at the prison um, that afternoon after school, and... Anyway, tried out 
and it was great. I made it. Um, and I, I was elated because I thought, God forbid, like I thought I was not going to make it. I of course was an athlete, but you know, I was kind of rough and rugged. So being a cheerleader was a little different, but I was so excited to be able to go and let her know that. And I got back home and of course, you know, grandparents, you know, drunk as usual, but, um, we were supposed to go and I was really excited about it. And all evening long, I was waiting and waiting. And I just remember thinking, you know, if we keep sitting around here, you know, we're never going to make it to the prison on time. You know, you had to be there at a certain time to visit. And it became, I don't know, seven, eight o'clock at night. And I thought for sure, yeah, we're not going, you know, something's going on, but I didn't know what. Um, and then my grandmother came in, um, and she just kind of talked about any and everything. It was really weird, just kind of flouncing and, you know, no focus to the conversation, nothing about us leaving. And she got ready to walk out and she said, oh yeah, your mom died today. And then she left. In that moment, I almost did not recognize what she said. Um, I was not able to grieve. Um, I was too angry to grieve. Uh, and I just remember thinking, you know, who tells somebody like that? Like, you know, I don't know whether it was the frustration of how she said it or if it was the frustration of it happening, but I just took a turn for the worst. I, I mean, I really became angry with just life in general. It wasn't about um, the specifics of her death. It, it was just being pissed because I felt like, you know, now what? You know, I mean, technically she already was not a parent because she did have a disease. Um, and her fur, her fur, fur, <laughs> love you guys. But anyway, her focus, um, it was the drugs. And so I don't know technically where the anger um, really stemmed from. Um, growing up, you know, later on, I figured out that it wasn't really anger. I was mourning. And I never got a chance to grieve properly. Um, but from that moment, um, and it actually was a moment that following week, I fought every single solitary day. I literally fought anybody that crossed me, anybody that looked at me funny, you know, anybody that had a story to tell, anybody that was happy. I mean, I was angry and I fought to the death. Like it was nothing like, you know, some of these scraps that girls have, you know, I mean, it was, it was bad. You know, I, I don't wish that on anybody, the anger that I had boiling inside, but I just remember praying, um, and really asking God to, you know, give me a answer to how this was going to feel better. You know, I remember fussing even at him and, you know, basically saying, you know, you're going to have to be my parent. You're going to have to do this. Like I have officially been left alone. 
Um, and although I had family, as a child, you don't recognize that you have family. You really do not recognize that, you know, although they're not the ideal family and you feel like everything is going wrong in your family, they are your family and they're doing the best um, that they know how to do with what they have. And at that time, that wasn't something that I recognized. Um now I can appreciate it to the fullest because if it was not for them and if it was not for the places that I've been and I mean I've been in in the gutter um if it had not been for those places um I I just I would not be the person that I am today being able to help you know other people really really get rid of the trauma and and move forward in their life um and so rage, um, that's a that's a physical name that I acquired um, because I ended up joining a gang, um, you know, just hanging with the misfits. I felt like a misfit. I felt like that person that, you know, I, I didn't fit in society. I didn't fit in um, society's definition of normal um, because at this point I, I didn't feel normal. I, I don't even have parents at this point so you know I'm not like Jane and Bob I mean like I I don't have what they have um and so of course I hung with the misfits and and I became you know a, a battle axe and a lot of times we would get into things you know different fights or you know arguments and I had no medium there was never a time when I could just argue with somebody. There was never a time when I could just be upset and say a few things here and there. Like I had to break bones. I had to see blood. I, I, I mean, it, it, it was an anger like no other. Um, and I just remember one of my um, fellow gang members. Um, that's what they used to call me. Like, it was like you got some rage inside of you like that's scary you know because although we were doing um you know fighting together or doing things that were inappropriate together I just had a different level of anger than they did um and it was weird because back in the day you know gangs were not like they are now now you know a lot of times they're doing things that are just just to be doing them um back in the day it was about you know us that only had each other we didn't have that family unit that we felt like we should have or some of you know them were homeless you know at one point I was homeless you know you just were out in the streets and you took care of each other and you made sure each other's you know families were okay if something happened and you went to jail you're you're your family, which was that gang, you know, we assured that your kids, your moms, like those people were okay. It wasn't about robbing, stealing, and killing. It wasn't about territory. It was about respect and love and being able to get through school and and getting to the next level. It was so different than it is now, but I just remembered that, that name, I wore it. If, If rage was a person, um, that would be me. I most definitely embraced it. Um, I most definitely felt like 
you know, in that moment that I just should have changed my name because that's the only thing that I felt on the inside of me. And I felt a, a more of a disappointment because, you know, as a child, you're looking at it as if, you know, these drugs were more important than me. You know, you couldn't leave them alone for five minutes. <laughs> you know, you, you couldn't, you know, stand up as a mother and, and, and fight like I fight every day to go to school and, and do right or be better. Um, and so it was a lot of resentment. Um, when you're living in a household where there is alcoholism and drug use, you know, you live in a fantasy world a lot of times because you want to be normal. Um, a part of you knows that that's not normal because when you go to school, um, even the things that those kids do that don't live in households like that, you, you're just looking at them like, you know, you have no idea what I deal with every day. You have no idea how hard it is to complete this homework. You have no idea how my mind is racing and, and the dreams that I have um, that I feel like I'll never touch. You have no idea. Um but I remember really, really believing in my spirit at one point, even as a child, that I would be different. I didn't know how, but I knew that I was going to be different. Um, even, I'll say at graduation, I was so excited to graduate because I had fought so much that it was almost a no-go. <laughs> I mean, I almost didn't make it because technically, yeah, that 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 was a little scary. I mean, I almost didn't make it. But that's where the resilient part of me came from because that was one feat that I I made and I made it on my own. I I made it fighting to assure that I made that particular milestone. Um, and it wasn't that I had changed a whole lot as far as the anger was concerned, because even as an adult, I mean, I fought in a heartbeat. It wasn't, it wasn't nothing. I could be in a club and I do mean a normal size, big club and somebody could bump into me and I would lose it. And, and I mean, it could be packed wall to wall, but my assumption is I know you see me, but it had nothing to do with that individual. It had everything to do with the pain that I was feeling, you know, from five and six years ago. Um, when I hit 16, um, I found out my father passed away. And that really added to the fire. That was fuel on top of the fire. I literally knew at that moment, you know, if I never felt alone, I am really alone. I cannot, by any means necessary, call on either one of my parents when I need them. This is real. This is my life from now on. And I built such a resentment for everybody around me that I did everything in my power to sabotage every relationship. It, it didn't matter. I mean, anything from fighting to crying, um, to cheating, to lying. I mean, it just went on and on. And then of course, the one thing that you say you'll never do, which is, hey, I'm not doing drugs. I'm not going to be like her. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. You do all of that. All of that is your life because the very person that you hate the most is the person that you become. 
because you have not yet dealt with the very thing that you know in your mind that has hurt you you haven't dealt with the thing that tried to break you you haven't pinpointed it you haven't named it you haven't called it out for what it is um and you've kind of swept it under the rug and put it in the back of your mind and guess what now it's festering you know it's it's manifesting on the inside of you and everything about it that you hate you all of a sudden become and so that was a hard pill to swallow but it was a pill that i was swallowing i literally you know had gotten to a point where you know i was drinking i was trying all these drugs and you know just doing things that were just outlandish on top of fighting um and every time that i would lose things you know my house my car um i i would just fight and fight and fight to get it back and every time i would fight to get it back i would say to myself this will never happen again and my biggest problem is i wanted so bad to have a family i wanted so bad to have this unconditional love that i thought that i was missing that i kept attaching myself to people that were not only not my friends but they were really users and i became codependent on these people i loved them without a shadow of a doubt because now all of a sudden i have this family like i kept creating these families i and i had it now but then the disappointment that i felt when i got lied on or when i got cheated on or when i was mis- mishandled or you know it it just it was the most devastating feelings every single time every time i was down they were you know nowhere to be found i kept having to re up by myself i kept having to get my life together by myself and i couldn't understand that because where the hell is everybody at you know and even as an adult now i'm 48 years old and that lesson is still being taught to me because i'm a very loyal person because of what i've seen um but you just don't you don't get that back you you don't get that a lot of times and when you do you definitely need to hold on to it um but again chapter 13 i'm telling you 13 was a very critical year for me because it almost broke me that is where i decided to not allow people to get very close to me i felt like you know i'm i'm definitely going to lose them if i allow them to get that close so if i don't and i just you know screw this up in any way that i can then i don't get hurt they might but i won't you know instead of really grieving taking the steps to grief that are appropriate um even if it's just crying i didn't do it so guys i say all of that to say that that is the beginning that is where rage was birthed that is why she was who she was um but that's also the beginning of a very resilient pattern of life um and i'm sharing this with you because i want you to understand that there is nothing about your circumstances that you cannot overcome absolutely nothing there's nothing about what you're dealing with feeling 
doing, I, I mean, nothing that you cannot overcome, but you have got to be able to put your mind in a very focused place and decide for yourself, not for anybody else, what you want to see out of life. And no matter what comes in to knock you down, you've got to be able to go right back to that focus and not allow it to take hold. You know what I mean? It sounds easier said than done, of course, but that's what causes the resilience. When you're using all that energy to fight the principalities around you, you need to take that same energy and fight back for your ambition. Take control of your self-esteem. Validate yourself, affirm yourself, really, really grab hold to what your dreams and your destiny have aligned for you. And we're going to get into some other things. I'm going to give you guys a break. Um, Again, tonight is about really, really focusing on being transparent, sharing with you guys everything that I am, you know, building and why and really, really pushing you guys to the place of resiliency, letting you know that, yes, it's hard. Sometimes you might feel like you're going to fall completely apart, but you're not. And I will be the blueprint for you. So give us a few and we'll be right back. We're back, we're back, we're back. Coach T is back. And I am, you guys, this is like a healing. Most people do not understand that when you talk about and you discuss and you lay on the line your emotions, um, it is continuous healing. I say this to clients all the time. Um, you know, because people are afraid to um, be exposed. Um, a lot of people will take advantage of that. People are, you know, just, I don't know, you almost think people are losing their minds because they're not sympathetic to things that people go through until they themselves have went through them. But let me tell you something. From the age of 13 till now, I have been very transparent. I believe that my life is a blueprint for somebody else to um, be able to heal from. And the more that I discuss it and the more that I talk about it, um, the more that I share it, um, the more healing that I get even within myself. A lot of times people think that once you become a social worker or a coach or a consultant that you've arrived. And listen, we have to have coaching as well. And sometimes it's best for us to have counseling um, or therapy um, just because we take on a lot of emotions from other people. And, you know, sometimes we take those things home. We worry about our clients. um, We worry about their situations. Um, And sometimes not only can you get burnt out, but sometimes it can really, really affect you health-wise. And so this is healing for me. As much as I want to assure that you guys get what you need from me and my story and my pain and my walk, um, I want you to know that you bless me just as well. Um, 
the main thing that I really want you guys to get from tonight, um, when we left off, I was talking to you about your circumstances. Um, please understand that your circumstance is not who you are. I know that, you know, sometimes we end up in situations where let's just say you are completely broke right now. You don't know where your next meal is coming from. You don't know how you're going to pay the bills. The first thing you say is, I'm broke. No, you're not. You need to start speaking things that are positive um, so that your mindset can change, right? You need to start saying things like, I'm abundant. You know, I'm going to pay the light bill. I just don't have it yet. You know, things that will change the frame of thought that you have about not only your circumstance and situation, but you yourself. The more you say negative things, the more you believe those negative things. You know what I mean? And your your circumstance is only to build your character. It's only to build the person, you know, that you're becoming. It's it's to make you strong. It's not to break you. It's it's not to turn you into that thing. It is to make sure that not only do you recognize that this circumstance is, you know, wrapped up in a bow specifically for you. But when you come out of it, how amazing of a person are you going to be? How strong of an individual are you going to be? You know what I mean? So it's not that your circumstance is here to take you out. It might feel like it, but that's not who you are. And we're going to start practicing on, you know, some affirmations that will, you know, change our, our frame of thought. Anything you do for 21 days, it will assist you in changing your mindset. So if I could get you guys to, you know, just one time a day, even if we start with one, saying something positive about your situation. If you don't know where your next meal is going to come from, you just say, oh, I can't wait till I eat. I'm not going to eat yet, but later on, oh, that meal. It's that simple. Stop worrying, dreading, and building up anxieties for things that you know you're strong enough to handle. Even in the moments that you feel weak, you have got to take a moment and look in your face file. You know, like any other file cabinet, you can go and you have the little tabs, the folders, and you can look at, you know, certain files that you have in there. When you really stop and think about it, You've been through so many things in your life and you made it through. Keyword through. You know, I say that a lot. Keyword through. Look in that face file and get it out. Get that time that you were so broken that you wanted to harm yourself. That time when you got put out of that house and you didn't know where you were going to lay your head and your kids, you were worried because you didn't want to go to a shelter. That time. When you came from that and you got that beautiful two bedroom and you split those kids room down the middle and you got bunk beds and they didn't know the difference because mommy makes it look so strong. Daddy makes it look so, so easy. 
you made it. This circumstance is no different from the last. And you got to stop believing that it is. It's not. Right? So that's one of the key things that I want to make sure you guys get tonight. Your circumstance is not who you are. Stop holding on to that. And I want you to think about this. Second thing, you don't have to be a product of your environment. I don't care where you live. I don't care what you've seen. If you're not cultured, if you haven't even been out of your city, that's what the internet is for. Let's start small. Let's say you've never been on a plane. You've never been overseas. But you can dream. You can research what it's like. You can go down to one of these really nice hotels. You can go in the lobby and order a glass of water and just sit and mingle with the rich. Your environment, the people that you're around, the things that they say out of their mouths, the toxic environment that you're in, even at that job. Listen, I just did it. You can spend years at a job giving your all to people. And I mean friendships and all, loyalty to a T. And when you're gone, it's like they never knew you. And they have absolutely no problem discarding you. And then what? We have got to stop giving all of ourselves to everybody but ourselves, right? These toxic environments, we know what they are. We know they're toxic and we stay in them. It does not have to be you. You don't have to be a product of that. Young man, when you look out in the neighborhood and all you see is gang banging, go to the neighborhood next door. See what they're doing. Hang out over there a little bit. Find you one friend and start going over there. Young ladies, if all your friends got to be outside and one part of you want to be inside because you really want to go to the library, do that. That doesn't make you different to a fault. That makes you have a mind of your own. That makes you have dreams and ambitions of your own. Step outside of where you're used to being. Don't be afraid to be different. Don't be afraid to reach out and touch what you want to touch. If you have a dream, you've got to align yourself to be able to reach that dream. If you've got an ambition to do something, whether it's a business, You know, whether it's a home, whether it's a car, whatever it is, you've got to put yourself in alignment. You can't stay around the same family members that's telling you you ain't going to be nothing for the rest of your life because you're going to believe that. You got to put yourself around people that say to you, girl, I got you. I can take you. I got a friend that will show you how to get your credit together. My bro, I got you. I got a homeboy, got a car lot. He'll show you how to switch your credit up and you'll be able to do X, Y, Z. 
you got to be around people that are positive. You got to be around people that are pushing you. And you know what? In those moments that you don't have that, that's where your self-esteem comes from. Self-esteem. You got to be able to look in the mirror at times and you got to be able to tell yourself that you are better than what your circumstance and your environment says you are. This is not where you're going to be always. This is not what's going to be happening always. You've got to start speaking life into your situation. And you speak it and you speak it until it appears. You speak it until you start to feel it and you start to believe it. And then guess what? You'll start to dress like it. You'll start to eat like it. You'll start to speak like it. And before you know it, you won't accept anything but. Right? And listen to me. Communication. This is the last thing and then we're going to go for the evening. Communication is key to this trauma thing. I know you want to hold on to it. I know that you have a little bit of embarrassment by it. But expressing your emotions does not make you weak. That begins the healing. Being able to speak it and to not give it so much power over your life allows you to heal. Even if you've got to start off with a therapist and you've got to start You know, really, really opening up with somebody that you don't even know just to get it all in order. But when you get it in order for yourself, you take those things and you use them as stepping stones. Do you hear me? You use them as stepping stones. Don't allow them to have so much of a hold on you that you just hold them inside because just like any volcano, they've got to come out. And if Coach T sabotaged several relationships, I know that you are. I know that no matter how much that man loves you, you're so in fear of the pain that you felt before that you won't even allow him to get close. I know I don't know how much that baby mama loves you, my brother, but I know that you're pushing her away on purpose instead of using the opportunity to communicate with them. And ladies, you cannot ask a young man to express himself to you and then turn around and use that against him. Now that's a whole nother podcast, but listen, stop that. When he opens up to you, you protect him. You take his heart and you protect it. Men, you got to do the same thing. There's absolutely nothing that you should be thinking or hearing in your head when she's talking to you. Because that's a vulnerable moment. But that could be the make or break moment for you. But hear me when I say, I don't care if you get a journal. I don't care if you get a piece of paper or a sticky note. You start communicating speaking those things that have hurt you and getting them out in the forefront 
put your finger on it. What is that thing that hurt you? And let's deal with that thing. Let's work on that specific thing. Because if we work on that one thing, and it can it can be several, but believe it or not, there's one that has tipped the scale for you and it has caused you to be bitter. It has caused you to be non-trusting. It has caused you to be in fear of every relationship that you deal with, including your friendships. Let's take that one thing and deal with it. Let's not be afraid of it anymore. Let's not not tell our friends anymore. Your testimony is your strength. That's the most powerful thing that you possess because that's who you are. That's where you came from. That's how you got to be the person that you are today. And you are such a rare gem that you owe it to the world to share with them why you're so strong. That's not anger. It doesn't have to be anger. That's strength. Right? So listen, again, three things let's focus on for the rest of the week. Not only is your circumstance not who you are, but you're not a product of your environment. And I want you guys to focus on communication this week, really expressing your emotions. And guess what? If somebody doesn't take care of that emotion when you give it to them, guess whose fault that is? theirs. You don't stop healing just because somebody's not worthy. You don't stop healing just because somebody's too immature to protect that emotion that you've allowed them to share with you. Okay. All right. I've had an amazing time with you guys and I can't wait until we get together again. We're going to reach chapters you know, 20, because the 20s are something serious, let me tell you. But we're going to really, really focus on spiraling out of control and changing our course, right? Changing the direction that we're going in. Really going to talk about some relationship advice, some things that, you know, we automatically do when we're sabotaging these relationships. And I hope you guys have a wonderful week. I really, really do. Anybody that is interested in any one-on-ones, you do not be afraid to reach out to me. You can reach out to me by email, rayoflifeagain at gmail.com. That is R-E-A-O-F-L-I-F-E-A-G-A-I-N at gmail.com, again. And then if you need to shoot me a text or call um, Proctor and Thompson Enterprises LLC, the phone is always available. Um, 501-231-4321. Just reach out. Let me know. If you need a one-on-one, if you need coaching, you know, even as a group, if you've got a couple of friends, if you've got family, if you and your spouse, whatever it is, reach out, let me know, and I will put a package together specifically for you. Um, Don't hesitate, okay? 
I love you guys and I can't wait to talk to you next week. It's going to be on and popping. Anyway, talk to you soon. Mwah.